This is episode 75 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today we'll be talking about Facing Pain with Courage, Part 3 with Joe Patterson. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian travelers, I am so glad that you are here. If you turned in the past two weeks, you have been hearing an amazing story from Joe. He went out into the wilderness in South Dakota, uh, went on a hiking adventure that he wasn't prepared for in the middle of December, hoping to face uh, fears he had as a child and fears he had uh, as he looked back on his parents' relationship and their divorce. And it led him to a forest, and while he decided to recreate that adventure, and it started off great, it actually kind of takes a devastating turn. And so today he's going to continue to tell us that story. But before I dive into that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There we have other faith and travel resources. We are going to start booking trips here in about a month or so. And of course, we have links to Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and you can subscribe to our email list so that you can get updates about the latest episodes, travel devotions, and of course, find out more when our trips become available. Uh, But without further ado, I'm going to turn this back over to Joe, and I hope that you enjoy. The trail has been coming up the sort of the southwestern slopes of Black Elk Peak, and that had actually made it fairly easygoing because the higher slopes of the mountain exposed to the southwest sun, some of the snow had kind of melted off and, and made the going pretty easy. And once I got on the the east side of the mountain where everything was in shadow the snow started to get really deep again like knee deep on average Mm. and all of a sudden I couldn't see the trail anymore I'm wading through the snow and then the forest got thicker as well and the deadfalls got worse Mm. and so instantly it was kind of like okay we're back in the thick of it and it's worse now than ever and Also, I, you know, that kind of happened. And as that happened, I started to get sicker and I I started to realize, okay, there's something going on here beyond just being tired or or being worn out. Like something's wrong with me, I think. And I I started to feel nauseous and I started to, to really like get the stabbing pain in my head. And, and I, I kind of thought like, okay, um, I'm going to need to, I think, find a spot to camp here and, and just try to stop for the night and rest some. Was it the elevation? Uh, I don't think that was as much a part of it as I think something, because uh, at, at a few different points on the trip, I had melted snow for water. Mm-hmm. And I think something in there, uh, I think I caught some sort of bug from something in the snowmelt water, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's about the only explanation I have. Because uh, once it started coming on, it came on fast. And so I, you know, I, I was thinking about finding a spot to make camp, but I was also just battling my way through the nastiest trail I had experienced on the whole trip. 
um, you know, couldn't see the trail at all, was having to go really slow through deep snow, and there's all these deadfalls. And at one point, I went to take a step, and my foot did not hit solid ground where I thought it should. Um, the snow had drifted over a step down in the trail, so the actual surface of the trail was probably a foot past where I thought it was. And so my foot just kept going and, and I, you know, in that moment I thought, Oh crap, like my ankle is going to roll or break here with the whole weight of me and my pack coming down on it. Uh, somehow that didn't happen. My foot landed flat, but at the same time, the weight of that fall was just too much for it. And I kind of fell on my face. <laughs> um, and, and it was just another reminder that like, I can't see where I'm stepping. Uh, and you know, this is, this is really difficult. And so, you know, again, I'm still feeling sick and, and stuff like that. And Griffin and I are kind of battling our way through this deep snow. And, and then we come to the biggest deadfall that we've come across yet. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and just before this, the trail had kind of crossed this open, rock face and it had taken us a while uh we we you know it taken me a while to figure out where exactly the uh trail went back into the trees off of the rock and the sun is getting somewhat close to going down and so i i was thinking you know i'll get back into the trees and then i'll find a spot to make camp and as soon as we figure out you know kind of i think where the trail is again we hit the biggest deadfall that we'd encountered yet. And I mean, it, it looked like, I remember thinking it looked like a giant had just swept their arm across this hillside. I mean, trees were just knocked down, you know, like bowling pits. And I can't see any way around it to get, you know, to where I need to go, you know, to even remotely follow the trail. So I had to go through it. And it was literally like crawling through almost like an inflatable, you know, an inflatable <laughs> that you'd crawl through at like a festival or something mm -hmm. uh, at points. You know, at some points I, I had to take off my backpack and push or pull it through spaces in the logs. Uh, and it was utterly exhausting, especially after everything I'd already been through. And I mean, I'm, I'm sticky with sap and it smells like pine everywhere. And I mean, the spaces of snow in the gaps in this deadfall, they had what looked like tree shrapnel just littered around from these trees snapping and, and breaking. I mean, it was, it was kind of unreal. Wow. And um, the, the trail is going downhill through these switchbacks throughout this deadfall. And so I get to, I think, like the second or third hairpin turn in those switchbacks. And there's a little bit of an open space, um, you know, where there aren't trees there. And I'm getting out of this deadfall and I trip and fall again into that kind of hairpin turn. And fortunately, because uh, I just fell face first. I mean, I couldn't even get my arms up, uh, but I fell into soft snow, fortunately. Yeah. Um, but then I had to kind of like awkwardly roll around and try to sit up and my backpack, you know, was weighing down on me. And, and so I rolled around and I managed to unstrap my backpack so I could get free and, and kind of sit up. And that's when it hit me. That it's just like, I'm so tired. 
I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted. And even as cold as it is and as sick as I'm feeling, like all of a sudden the, the will to get up was just gone. And I was like, okay, this isn't good. Like I'm trying to keep this stream of rational thought going in my head, you know, like, okay, need to find a spot to make camp, need to kind of figure out what's going on with me physically. And then I don't remember anything else. I just blacked out. Mm. Uh, and the next thing I remember was coming to, and I wasn't sure how much time had gone by, but I knew that the sun had gone down. Uh, because all that's left of the light is like kind of this eerie gray green half light through the trees before you passed out where was the sun it had been setting it had been starting to to go down like it it hadn't quite dipped below the the mountains yet um but so i i had probably passed out for probably 20 minutes uh or so Mm -hmm. something in that neighborhood and uh and so i i came to and i i wasn't sure you know what exactly had woken me up uh and i, I kind of you know am blinking and looking around and then i i realize it's griffin it's my dog uh he was laying in the snow beside me and you know i think at first he had just thought you know i'm just taking a break or whatever uh, and then when I didn't move, when I didn't, you know, say anything or he started to whine and he started to whine louder and louder until it woke me up. Huh. And I, all of a sudden I, I looked down at him in that moment, I realized he was tired too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't think I had ever seen him get tired on a trip before, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, everything we'd been through to that point and then fighting our way through that massive deadfall, uh, it, it was really, it was pretty insane. And I realized, okay, he's worn out too. And in that moment, it just kind of crashed over me how dire our situation had become. Mm. Uh, I was like, okay, we're in danger here. I mean, number one, I had passed out and I might not have woken back up. Uh, you know, I mean, in that state, I definitely would have frozen to death if I had not, you know, if I'd not managed to wake up again. Uh, and, and in that moment, you know, looking at Griffin, I, I, I realized, okay, we're in a survival situation now. Uh, and I, I'm definitely sick. Like there's definitely something wrong there's something going on i was starting to feel really nauseous i had a fever now my head is pounding and two things kind of happened in that moment i I realized that griffin was probably the only reason i was still alive Hmm. at that point because he had managed to wake me back up and i had this thought of you know what's going to happen to him like what would have happened to him if i didn't wake up you know, he would have just been alone and scared, you know, out there in the wilderness. And, and I, I just couldn't stand that thought. Uh, and so I, I looked at him and, and I, and it just, you know, words kind of started to come to the surface in the, in the form of probably the most desperate prayer I've ever prayed in my life. And I said, God, please let me get 
him home. Let me get him out of this. And in that moment, it it was probably the most profound thing I've I've ever experienced. It the voice of God through the Holy Spirit spoke to my soul over over the fear, over the doubt and uncertainty. It was just this quiet, calm whisper. And it said, you've got to keep going. You've got to get up. And you've got to keep going. You can't stop. You can't make camp. You have to get out tonight. And I just knew. Uh, <laughs> I knew in that moment, I knew that if I, if I tried to camp somewhere, if I tried to sleep, I might get sicker, I might get worse, and I might not have the strength to get going again. Uh, and so in that moment, it was settled for me. In that moment, I knew I've got to get out tonight or I'm not getting out at all. And so I, I kind of took a moment to gather myself. I got my, my backpack back on and I stood up. And instantly, as soon as I stood up, my head just started screaming. And I, I felt the full effects of the sickness that I was dealing with. Um, and so I just had to stand there for a minute and, and try to try to muster the strength to keep going. And eventually I did, and I started walking again. And the one blessing I think was we got out of the, the deadfall on those switchbacks almost right away, which was of a God thing because I, I couldn't have handled much more of that level of physical exertion. And at that point, I am coming down from this ridge that comes down from Black Elk Peak. And, you know, by my map that I had been following and just kind of my estimation, I still needed to skirt a smaller mountain, a lesser peak called um, Elkhorn Mountain. And once I got about to where I thought Elkhorn Mountain was, I'd have about three miles left and then I'd be out. And I didn't know exactly how far I had come or, or how far I had to go. And the other really scary thing at that point was all the fallen trees and all the snow was making it virtually impossible to tell if I was still on the trail or not. Yeah. Uh, the only sign from time to time would be these trees that had the number nine carved into them to signify that I was still on trail nine. Um but, you know, there had been times where I had actually managed to spot one of those trees that was in a deadfall, like it had snapped and fallen and, and stuff like that. So um, that was unreliable at best. So I was just trying to, to follow the trail and, and trying to keep going. And it hadn't been too much longer. And, and I was pretty sure I was near the base of Elkhorn Mountain just because of how the ground was sloping and stuff. Um I came to this spot where I was pretty sure I was on the trail. I could see kind of indentations of the trail in the snow. It was a little shallower there. And it led right up to this, basically this path between two big rocks. 
uh, two rock walls on either side. And it was a wide path, probably four or five feet wide. And it looked like the trail went right into them uh, and through to the other side. And I, I got to where the trail went between the rocks and I just stopped because I had this uneasy feeling. And I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know why. And then that voice spoke to me again and it said, don't go through the rocks. And I couldn't explain it, but it just spoke to me and it said, don't go through the rocks, go to the left. And I looked to the left and there's another deadfall. <laughs> there's no obvious trail. Uh, and I can see the the ground kind of slope up again on the other side of this deadfall. But at that point, you know, I, I truly believe that this is the voice of God speaking to me and I have to trust it. You know, I have to listen. Uh, and so instead of going through where it looked like this obvious and easy trail was leading, I went to the left and I went over the deadfall and uh, it was hard, slow going again. Uh, but I got to the other side and on the other side, I came over this low rise and there's a trail and right there is a tree that has the number nine carved into it. Oh. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't, and I've never actually been back to that exact spot in all the years since then. You know, I don't know if, if it was just a bend in the trail. I don't know why I felt like God was telling me not to go through those rocks. Um, but, you know. At the same time, I don't question it. You know, he he guided me that night and I trusted him. Yeah. And so I got back on the trail and I kept going and it wasn't very long after that. You know, I'm already moving slow. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm very sick and I'm pretty much completely exhausted. And, uh, you know, it's a little gross, but the nausea kind of built up to this point of no return. And all of a sudden I'm bent over just puking my guts out. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I had a really bad, you know, fit of, of throwing up and was able to kind of, you know, stay on my feet. Um, and as, as weird and, you know, as kind of gross as it is, you kind of know that feeling you get after you've thrown up where you feel a little better. Absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I sort of rode that wave for a while and I was like okay I feel a little bit better I feel a little bit of relief and so I was actually able to keep walking and start making kind of decent time again and and it was probably another half hour or so of hiking and I mean it's been pitch black for a long time and I'm just hiking in the light of my headlamp and you know I start feeling progressively sicker again uh, and it builds up again and and all of a sudden I have to throw up again and it's it's even worse than before. And this time I, I couldn't actually stay on my feet. I fell on my hands and knees uh, and I was so sick that like I, I kept dry heaving even after there was nothing left to throw up. I couldn't stop uh, for what felt like forever. Uh, and then after that, like I, I managed to crawl on my hands and knees a few feet away and I'm trying to get back up and my, my arms and legs are just shaking. Like there's nothing left. And I, I'm seeing like stars and fireworks in front of my eyes. And then 
my vision starts to kind of close up, you know, almost like tunnel vision, like black around the edges. And then I just, I, I couldn't even stay kneeling anymore. I, I fall on my face in the snow and I pass out again. Uh, and this time, you know, it wasn't from sleep and being tired so much as it was just from sheer effort. And, and I just, you know, I passed out and again, you know, I, I probably would have died there. Uh, I, I had nothing left. I was so sick. I was so tired. Um, I, I probably would have died right there if it hadn't been for Griffin again. Uh, this time I, I remember the first sensation after blacking out. I remember feeling like this thunking on my forehead, almost like somebody was flicking me. And then I realized that it's Griffin and he's nudging my head with his nose. Mm. And he, he just keeps fussing at me like that and nudging me in, until I start to move and until I start to regain consciousness. And then as soon as he sees me kind of lift my head up, he goes nuts and he starts like licking my face and stuff. <laughs> and, and that kind of got me all the way revived again. <laughs> and I managed to like prop myself up on an elbow and, and kind of start talking to him again and being cognizant. And he, he whips around like he spins he runs a few feet down the trail and then he kind of crouches almost like he's waiting for me to throw a stick and then he barks at me and it was like he's saying let's go <laughs> you know come on get up let's go we're not done <laughs> and he keeps doing that like he, he keeps just fussing at me until i can stand all the way back up and it took every ounce of strength I had left just to get back on my feet. Uh, and I, I felt unsteady and I don't know what my temperature was, but my fever is just insane at this point. And I, I feel terrible. And in that moment, I, I had this very clear realization. I might die out here tonight. Like at that point, there was no point in sugarcoating it for myself anymore. Uh, it was like, yeah, this is real. Like this is for real. There is a very good chance I'm not getting out of this alive. Hey, Christian Travelers, I'm going to go ahead and pause here once again. We still have more adventures up ahead with Joe. Um, he's going to finish out his story for us next week, uh, and I hope that you've been enjoying it. But I will leave you with this cliffhanger. There is even more intense and frightenful experiences up ahead, so he will continue to brave those with courage. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.